Hello, you're listening to Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power Calls. I'm Susan Shereko. Welcome. I asked Sarah Hathaway to drop by today. Uh, as a matter of background, I met Sarah ooh, a while back when she had pretty much just published her book, uh, A Day After Disaster. But a lot has happened since then, and I thought it would be fun to catch up with her. Please help me welcome Sarah Hathaway. Hello, Sarah. Welcome. Hello. How are you doing today? I am so great. It's a perfect day after the holiday. Yes. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I'm so glad to do it. You know, when we last spoke, Sarah, you mentioned that A Day After Disaster was the first book in the Changing Earth series. But at the time, you only mentioned you had a couple of other titles, and they they sounded as if they were in the works. They actually hadn't been published yet. But the series is a lot bigger than that now. Uh, Just how big is it? So Day After Disaster was the first book I published. And now it is an eight-novel series, uh, eight books long, and uh, one side novel that's about the villain that I introduced halfway through the series. Everybody loved to hate him so much that he had to get his own story, you know. When I was writing it, um, with I had the um, thought of bringing it to Hollywood. And so I had to put an ending on the story just so that uh, I could write my own ending and not have Hollywood do it. Wow. So how did the title evolve? Um, what do you mean by, I'm sorry, I don't understand. I'm not a day, following. A day, after, a day after disaster. What, what is it, you know, what, what's it symbolized? What's about? Oh, day after, how did it come about? So mm-hmm. what I had in mind when I was first writing my book is not so much like a single event that happened that changed the world. I wanted, because you see so much in Hollywood that brings you up to the disaster, and then it's like, oh, we avoided the disaster. Yay, everything's fine. For like way long time after the disaster. So day after disaster is like the event hits the planet and how do the characters survive? So that's why I really wanted it to give you that, that cue of this is, it just happened. Where are we going as a species? Right. Now, now you also, you've, you've made your characters very rich. I mean, I remember reading that book way back then and was just so impressed with how you wove in all the details of disaster and how they dealt with it. And then the element of villains. You, I think you described it to me as these guys are, there's lots of sex, drugs, and rock and roll with these guys. <laughs> right. You know, I've, after um, laws are removed, I don't believe people will uh, just be on their best behavior just because. So um, I definitely kept the element of reality. And I also really, really enjoy um, keeping people grounded with nature, keeping people in sync with nature, which I think we're losing a lot of these days. So I put in a lot of information on how you can survive in nature if you were pushed to that brink. And you needed some kind of frame of reference to draw back on. You can think, oh, my goodness, that's how Erica survived this. I can do that, too. That's pretty awesome. I think people, that's the greatest fear people have. They don't have any knowledge base. What do they do? And and there's nobody right there to tell them either. <laughs> Take and it on your feet. Kind of boring. Like if you're sitting there just reading about a wilderness survival, that's not emerging you in the experience. 
yeah, you can mm-hmm. go out and pay thousands of dollars, or you can pick up my books, and uh, it go, you get the experience of what these characters are going through and how they use the natural world around them to survive. Now, are you, were you a full-time writer when you started this? Absolutely not, no. Um, so I wrote basically as just projects, just a way to re- release emotions, and um, it's just something I really enjoyed. I, I can't draw worth the darn, so I write. And um, <laughs> when I finished my, I had, when I went on bed rest with my second son, I was bored, so I finished my book, and my mom was like, you finished a whole novel, you have to publish it. And I was like, well, who wants to read my stories? But I did. I went ahead and published my book. And turns out a lot of people wanted to read my stories. And they really enjoyed being able to teach them how to handle their own personal disasters or societal disasters or natural disasters through my story. So it just grew into the podcast where we use the book as a frame of reference to teach the actual survival information behind it homesteading skills, things like that. And it just mushroomed into this incredible story of survival uh, that that is really gripping people. Once they get a hold of the books, they're like, okay, where's the next one? Where's the next one? Where's the next one? That I mean, that is it's really a dynamic process that you've got going. It amazes me that you have all these other projects that have developed from the book, and they all tie together uh, to support marketing your book as well as educating your audience and that sort of thing. Um, what did you start doing first? When you wrote the books, and then what? Uh, which of these ancillary things did you go to next? After I wrote the books, it was definitely the podcast was next because I wanted to take those um, the the information that I was really trying to teach people on how to butcher an animal, how to wild forage, how to do these kinds of things. I really wanted to take those pieces out and show people like the reality of what you're looking at inside of this fictional novel. So the podcast was next. And then um, just recently we've started doing the audio drama because my, my podcasting network became so big. I interviewed so many people and met so many incredible people along the journey that um, I had all these friends with microphones. And so they agreed to help me out doing characters and things like that. And we put together an audio drama, which is like a 50s radio show of the story, because we wanted to get the story out there. And it seems like Hollywood's dragging their heels a little bit on it. Now, you also, part of this goes out through the Prepper Broadcasting Network. Now, what is, is that your, is that your actual podcast that goes out that way? Or what, what is that serve in your, in your function? Right, so the Changing Earth podcast is its own podcasting platform, and then um, James over at Prepper Broadcasting Network asked me to also air my show as a part of the Prepper Broadcasting Network, and I was happy to do so. They're a wonderful community. They have shows every single day of the week with live chat rooms and all things like that, so it just really, really connected me into, um, well, a group of friends that I was already friends with, you know, all of us podcasters together. But the community gets so much uh, preparative information from so many different points of view on one platform that it's really a big go-to hub. And we've got over uh, 2,500,000 downloads over there at Prepper Broadcasting Network. So it, it was just this opportunity to connect with this wonderful community that was really looking for the earth peace 
to go with their content. Now, you also did an audio book, right? Yeah, just all of the novels are in audiobook format, and I read them all myself. So you get to hear the author, you know, given the emphasis, and sometimes it makes me cry and things like that. So, um, yeah, so I do all my own audiobooks as well. And do and now you're still engaged in this process of getting it packaged for Hollywood, so we could look forward to seeing your movie, which would be right. really awesome to do. Um, you know, I, we're going to be this, this will be broadcast internationally in many places, uh, and mm-hmm. for the benefit of that audience, where the book I won't ask about the books because I think that's easy. But what is the title of the podcast? The title of the podcast is Changing Earth Podcast. Oh, and okay. honestly, anybody around the world, they want to find out about me, the podcast, or the audio drama, changingearthseries.com. Everything you want to know is right there in one stop. It's really easy to nav- navigate. And then from there, you've got the name of the podcast, and you can listen to them there, or you can go find them on your favorite platform. And you also, is, is Prepper Broadcasting also there? I do have links to Prepper Broadcasting Network mm-hmm. from there as well. Yeah, I'd use okay. it as like my hub because I have so many different ends going that I wanted to give people a central location. Plus, um, all my survival knowledge is there, so I have the survival guide there where you can go look up topics from any of my podcasts and, and learn and be educated as well. So you've really cross-referenced it for educational purposes. Absolutely. Yeah, I want people Fantastic. to not only be entertained, but be educated. You know, Sarah, I, I think I told you this when we talked just the other day, that I just love the way that you're able to target your audience in in so specifically and then get it into a variety of formats because, you know, it's it's a challenge for many authors to figure out how to reach their audience, but you're, you're really able to to do it and teach. I find it pretty awesome. Yeah, on that note, um, so many people are like, well, I don't read. And you're like, well, do you listen to audio? I got the audio drama, right? Or I got the audio book. Oh, mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. you know, those are kind of doldrum for me. Oh, really? Do you like, you know, action adventure? Because I have the audio drama. So I just, yes, whatever platform, <laughs> right, I would hear like feedback of, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, here's this option for you, right? So I just kept going. And hopefully we'll have the TV and movie options soon. Be like, okay, well, then just soon, go over yeah. there and you'll learn it over there. So I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that you're, that's a really good point you make. People, on some level, people are dragging their heels. I'm giving you an excuse for why they don't want to learn this. So yeah. it's almost like finding a way to overcome their obstacles by creating the product that will reach them. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So how did you become so knowledgeable about all this wilderness survival and disaster preparation? Well, I grew up country, first of all. So it was a different lifestyle. You know, I grew up bow hunting and fishing and um Things that, you know, I knew where the meat in the store came from, and I knew where the vegetables in the store came from, and um, we always had gardens and candy. This whole was just really my understanding of what life was. And uh, as I moved on in my college career and things like this, I met friends from the city who were like, oh, my gosh, stop the car, there's a deer. And I'm like, yeah, it's a deer. Oh, I've never seen one except in a pet. <laughs> You know, so I came to understand that there's like this whole basis of knowledge that I had 
from how I grew up that other people had no idea about. Um, and that was a shocker because you always assume that, like, everybody else knows what you do. And so when I figured that out, I was, like, um, very scared because I see this huge disconnect going on between our planet and our lifestyle where we're so dependent upon technology and the stores and the supermarkets and corporations to fulfill what we need. Um, and that's not that's not our roots. That's not a basis of life. We can look back in history and see the earth has changed before. And it would be arrogant and stupid of us to think that it wouldn't change again. The key to survival as a human race is being able to adapt to that changing planet, to be able to move with it. And to do that, we need to keep that relationship with nature. So I was very much afraid that people were losing that on the whole and I wanted to give them something that was really exciting so they could connect back with that feeling of wanting to go out hiking, wanting to go out and find what's growing around me. Even if you're in an urban environment, there's so much there for you to find that you, or you could plant these areas or you could come together as communities to make community gardens that, uh, that's really the direction I wanted to be able to launch people's brains through reading an awesomely entertaining story. You are really passionate about that. That's obviously the message that you're trying to get across. Uh, yes. But how different are your views on some other topics in that we're going through in, you know, for societal change? I know there's some things you don't think we should be doing to save the environment. Well, as far as um, the one lately that has me really ticked off is the movement for these um, electronic vehicles. The, the battery-operated cars. Um, because when you go back, understand that, like, digging up the oil and putting that in the atmosphere has a certain effect on our planet, no doubt. And we can figure out alternative sources that are, you know, viable magnetics and things like that. There's other options besides just wind and solar that we're looking at. But these batteries, these lithium batteries, 500,000 tons of soil have to come up to get these batteries made. And on the scale that they want to do it, it's just absolutely impossible to make that a reality. And so now they're looking at harvesting the Andes Mountains in South America, like literally harvesting the Andes Mountains for their lithium. And so tell me how that's a green movement when we're trying to save rainforests and species and things like that and promote using the, the natural planet that's there. So now we're just going to go and clear cut the whole thing so we can make lithium batteries to make these green vehicles. It's an absolute joke. There's no way our grid can handle it at the capacity that we're at. We'll have to redo the entire power grid. Plus there's no way that solar and wind are gonna be able to make enough power to fuel the vehicles. It's, it's really just a pipe dream and eventually somebody's going to need to wake up and be like, uh, this is not the direction we need to go for our planet, to save our planet. So I, I, I mean, that's the one that's got me very much stirred up right now. And when you say these words to people, do you get pushback? Um, I don't. Actually, it's things that people haven't really thought about. They think that, um, oh, yeah, green cars, and we're not going to be using power. And there, there's all kinds of hydro options for vehicles to be running that run off water. And the only, you know, um, byproduct is water vapor. There's all kinds of options that they're not looking at just because of greed. 
And uh, when I do talk to people about this, they're not they they they're not angry or upset. They haven't looked at it from that angle. They haven't seen on the news because of course they wouldn't put it on the news what the holes look like where that lithium is coming out of the planet. Um, and that's not in the United States, so they're not really thinking about it. So I I would say it's just an undereducated process because everybody wants to do the right thing and take care of our planet. And they think that's the way to do it, but they don't research. They only believe what's shoved at them, and um, it's not the answer. So, Sarah, I mean, this is this is really a valid you know question that nobody's raising, and I you know I applaud you for having the voice out there to do it. However, if people have never heard of your book or heard your name, what are you doing to get the message out? Well, it's a challenge because. Um, the social media platforms are rather, uh, they don't like people who talk about freedom and self-sustainability and taking care of yourself um, above cooperating with a government institution. So that that's a challenge there. So I use a lot of alternative social media. I'm on the MeWe platform. I'm on Gitter. I am on Twitter. Um, so all of those platforms and your traditional um, elements. No, I'm not on Facebook. I've been uh, nuclear bombed off of Facebook. Honestly, my my work passes the best in word of mouth. People mm-hmm. read about me, they hear me, they read my books, and they start talking to each other. And I've always found that in life, if you can get that kind of grassroots movement going, that's better than any social media, anything that you could dream up. And it's more real. And it is more real. It's in the moment with people, one-on-one yeah. or, or 50-on-one. <laughs> and so that's you're, one thing, um, I'm yeah. always like, reach out to me. Please reach out to me. I love hearing feedback on my books. I love hearing um, from people who are enjoying my content because that's why I make it. So I try to make myself very, very available for anybody who wants to talk about different issues or ideas and things like that. They can absolutely do that through my website. Through your website, and it's posted there. And is there a posting in the book itself that directs them? There is. On the back page of the book is all of my other books, plus my podcast and the link to where to find me at changingearthseries.com. Okay, so where are the books available? Now they're all hyped up. They want to go get them. Books are available at Amazon. If you're a worldwide listener, I would uh, I would suggest you order them off of Amazon. I will. They're just going to be the most accessible to you that way because um, they're printed right in your country. If you want a signed copy, I do ship them internationally, but you will be paying for the shipping, not me. So I would sign it and send it internationally. But um, international, you will be paying for that shipping. So the the most accessible way to grab those books is on Amazon. And if you want signed copies, then go to changingearthseries.com, and uh, I send out signed copies from my website. Awesome. I mean, do you have some? I mean, I think you've said this already very well earlier about the message that you're you want to get out. But what would you like to actually accomplish through using your book and all these media? The the thing I want to accomplish through my books is a general awareness of how to be prepared 
for those disasters that are inevitably going to come up in your life, it's going to happen. It's either going to be a personal disaster, a man-made disaster, or a natural disaster, and you're going to be facing one of them. There's really, really easy steps that you can take. You go to the store, you buy two cans instead of one, and you put it back, you know, and just really simple things like that. I also work in the insurance industry during the day trying to help people prepare, you know, financially for what comes up. So my whole life is really built around helping people understand that you can set yourself up for that rainy day. And it's not that the rainy day is going to suck any less because those rainy days really, you know, <laughs> hit you hard, right? But when you have, you know, when somebody's not working or somebody's in the hospital and you have the confidence of knowing we're set on food for the next month and we don't have to go to the store and we can put our funds where they need to be, um, that's, you know, the peace of mind from just having that little bit of forethought of what you can do to get yourself ready for that day is priceless. And then if we go into a long-term disaster, at least you have an understanding, you've been learning, you can work in a leadership role. I'm creating leaders for communities so that when we face those days, we have people in place that know how to garden and how to take preserve and how to get clean water for the community, how to organize the community and deal with people in the community. You know, so I'm really trying to create these leaders that if anything like that were to happen, they can just be deployed and know what to do for the community without the government having to step in and do it for us. Fantastic. Fantastic. It is. It's something I didn't have when we had our landslide. We did not have any of that. And that was the greatest shock to me. There was no place, no central place you could go to get the information and so I was going from government agency to government agency to see how I could be helped. And it didn't exist because it right. wasn't a mass emergency. It was a single event. And so it was a lot of wasted effort. And it would just be so much better to have been prepared for what happened. Well, people so there... believe that, um, like, in the United States, we have FEMA, right? Mm -hmm. And people right. believe that FEMA is there to help you. They're not there to help you. They're not. Their job is to come back in and rebuild the infrastructure because they're trying to help as many people as possible, right? So what can they do yeah. to help as many people as possible? Your life and your situation does not matter to them. It's up to you to help yourself. Exactly. And that's a hard lesson to learn. You see a lot of, I see it on TV when people are going through fires and all the rest of it, how angry they are because nobody's there to help them. But yep. on some level, you have to do it for yourself. You have to be ready. So it's good to know that there are places to go. Is there anything else you'd like your audience to know about you? Um, I, I, my audience is some spectacular people. And like I say, I really love just being able to connect with the people that are enjoying my, um, my work. It's interesting time for authors because I think that, you know, even say 50 years ago, you wrote a book and you sold it in all these stores and, and you never got a chance to really hear back unless you were like a book signing event or something like that, right? right. So now we have all this technology where anybody who reads my books can just reach out and be like, wow, this area was profound. Or how did they accomplish this in this part? Or, oh, I didn't like that so much, you know. So with the technology that we have to be able to reach out and really connect, 
I would encourage more people to reach out to me and uh, ask me questions and throw ideas by me. Um, people seem to think like, oh, well, you're too busy and I don't want to bother you. Yes, I'm busy, but I love hearing from my fan base. I love having that feedback. Um, it's a really special feeling as an author that you could provide that emotional you know, trauma at times or inspiration and things like that. So it, it, that's what I would like my community to know is that I, I do enjoy hearing from them and very much value their feedback. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to come visit with us today. Uh, speaking of that, uh, let's remind our listeners that we've been speaking with Sarah Hathaway, who is the author of the eight-part Changing Earth series, which starts with the novel A Day After Disaster. Uh, it's also available as an audiobook, and everything is available on Amazon. You can catch her podcast, which is the uh, Changing Earth podcast. As a matter of fact, she has everything in one wonderful place, her website, which is changingearthseries.com. And you can connect with her. You can find out all the lessons she's providing, all the podcasts all the audiobooks, the audio dramas. So it's a, a central distribution part. And she also even has links to her, her, what she does on Prepper Broadcasting Network. So does that sum it up, Sarah? That sums it up. That's me in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again, Sarah. We're going to bring this call in for a landing. Thank you all for listening. And I, I also want to especially uh, thank those who support this program. So bye for now and have a great day.